1: Hello and welcome to Kick Ass Boomers. My guest today is Lisa Betts. Lisa is an engineer turned mystery writer, an entertaining speaker, and passionate teacher of God's Word. She's an unconventional soul who understands the joys and challenges of living authentically and inspires others to embrace their unique God given purpose. Lisa worked as an engineer, a substitute teacher, and high school play director before becoming an award-winning author. Welcome, Lisa. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks. I'm excited to be with you. Good, and we're happy to have you. So tell us, how did you go from being an engineer to a mystery novel writer? That
0: seems like a big jump. It was a big jump. Well, first of all, I've just never been good at fitting molds. So I just don't do things the same way everybody else does. So in high school, I was a math and science girl. So English was never, ever my favorite subject, but I always loved reading. Reading was one of my favorite activities. So I really loved good stories. And so it was always in my heart. It just had never occurred to me back then when I was in high school, when I was in college that I would want to write a novel or that I would be able to write anything that someone else would want to read. <laughs> so I happily went off and became an engineer, worked in a plant for a while. Then when I had small children at home, actually for fun, just when you have small children at home and you've used been used to working, your brain needs something adult to do. It does. And you need adult
1: companionship a little bit. So yeah, absolutely. Yes,
0: right. So I took, just for fun, I took this correspondence course on writing just to give my brain something to do. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Creative writing is way more fun than writing essays in English class. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So that's kind of a little germ that started back then. And then when my kids were school age, I became a substitute at their school. And they were very happy to have somebody who could fill in on the drop of a hat in in algebra two or physics class or something like that. So I really enjoyed teaching and getting to know the kids. And then they needed someone to do a high school play. And so I said, well, okay, I don't know anything about that. But my parents were into amateur theater. I'd been taken to see lots of good plays. So I said, well, I can figure this out. So it was one of those many times when my friend, it was a friend of mine whose son was in high school that says, will you please do this? (laughs) So I said, yes. And it turned out to be great. And so I ended up directing plays for 10 years. And in the process of that, sometimes I did some writing. In fact, eventually, uh, one of the last plays we did, I just couldn't find a script. And so I ended up writing an entire play. And that was so much fun. Wow. They must have loved you. You just jumped in and filled the void wherever they needed it. That's great. Yep. Yeah. I, I spent my whole children's growing up years volunteering for things left and right. And every now and then I got paid for it. <laughs> there you go. But yes, yeah, so that's really what made me believe that I can write something other people enjoy. It's really wonderful when when you get to watch the audience laugh at your jokes. Yes. And when you write dramas, you can see that happen. Yes. When you write a book, it just kind of goes out there and you don't get to see who sees it. Yep. Anyway, so when my youngest was leaving for college, I had to sit myself down and say, okay. <laughs> what am I going to do now? This is a new phase. I'm no longer going to be a professional school mom. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for it and actually try and be a writer, take it seriously, work at it diligently, actually complete something. I'd been dibbling and dabbling with with novels. And so that's when I took it seriously. Now I had already years ago started attending a writer's group. That's if you wanna be a writer, you need to have other writers. You need to have input. You need to begin learning the craft. You need feedback from people who know what they're talking about. So I had already begun that journey, but I wasn't taking myself seriously yet. So this is when I sat down and took myself seriously and said, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. And so I wrote several practice novels and eventually I wrote one that was worth submitting. And through an agent that I got from some other writing activities, I got it accepted um, to a small traditional publisher. And that's not so easy to do. So that's
1: really a feather in your cap. It is. It's not easy to get an agent to accept you. And it's not easy to get published by a traditional publisher. So that's saying something that was really good.
0: Yes, those were really big boosts, ego boosts, but really confidence. Yes. I do have something worth talking about. My talent is good enough. And so my first book was called Death and a Crocodile. It's a mystery set in first century Rome with a spunky female protagonist. And yes, yeah, she's a little bit snarky <laughs> and she has her maid who's her sidekick and she her maid's always blurting things out when she should keep her mouth shut. So it's just a lot of fun. And I will, one fun little anecdote on that, my my husband's boss at work read that novel. And she really loved the fact that female character was such a strong female person because that's what she is. She's a manager in a big company. Right. And you know what?
1: They don't see that out there in novels very often.
0: They're always about men, right? Or if they're about women, it's all about romance. And this is not a romance. Yes. Right. It's a mystery. Yeah. And it's a strong female character. Yes. Which we do like to see that. Absolutely. And that's part of the fun is making a strong female character that that still is able to fit within her time period, which is not full of strong female characters. So I have to kind of balance my historical reality with making a story that people today want to read. Years and years of slowly absorbing it. One of the things that I've done for years is teach Bible study at my church. And so I have very intentionally learned over the years, the culture of ancient Rome, because that's where the New Testament is set. So I've tried very hard to understand the geography and the history and the culture and the different kinds of religions and all that stuff. So i have it was a slow process. So by the time I started writing, I already knew more than the average bear about right. these things. Right. Which is good, because I think people need
1: to know that you just can't jump in and start writing. You have to have that background information. If you're going to do historical, you better have done your research and understand what you're writing about. And I think that's why most people write about today, because they don't have that background. And it's not so easy to do. So I love the fact that you did that. It it makes it more interesting because we're not seeing novels set in that time period very often.
0: Yeah, that goes back again to I, I don't do the things everybody else does. So I'm not going to I don't read the books everybody else writes. So I don't write the books everybody else writes. I like reading books set in those odd periods. I love being pulled into some unique setting. Right. So that's why I decided to write. I just I, I get I'm good at doing things that make it harder for me to do it because I just that's where my interests are. Right. I And I think that's great.
1: And you mentioned that. For authors, getting published is like the first step, but after that, yeah. you now have to market that book. It doesn't sell yeah. itself. So I think a lot no. of people
0: think once it's listed on Amazon, it's flying off the shelf. Not true, right? Not, Not true. true at all. And so that's the new thing I'm learning. I spent years learning how to write well, and now I'm learning how to market. And it's a whole new thing. So I have had to change from somebody who dabbles in writing to someone who takes writing seriously. And now I've changed again to small business owner, which is a completely different mindset once again. So, but, you know, learning is good for your brain. So it's good to be challenged and learn new things. And there are wonderful resources out there for whatever it is you want to learn.
1: It's so true. And learning New things every day will help you stay young. I've talked about that in a lot of other podcasts that you need to keep learning. The ones who keep learning, keep moving, and eat right will live a long life a- and be social. We're social beings, so we need to be social as well. But if we do all of those things, we're going to be able to go on, for the most part, and live a really long, happy life. But I think people think once they're retired, the learning stops. Well, and high school and college kids, they think once they're out of school, that's that. Boy, they're in for a rude awakening because you've got to be learning your entire life. I don't care what job I had, they were always sending me off for training, learning this, learning that. And today, too, I'm still constantly learning. And that's a good thing because if you don't keep your brain engaged, it will slow down and
0: and stop or go very slow. And you don't want that to happen. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the fun things that one of the reasons I've always loved historical fiction is because you can learn about some other place and some other time. And it's a whole lot more fun than going to history class.
1: Absolutely. And I went to Rome two years ago. First time I was dying to get there for the longest time. Finally got to go with one of my daughters and we had such a good time. But you're there and you see the Colosseum and we went down into some catacombs and saw where they used to bury people. And I mean, it was just so interesting to see all the ancient Artifacts that are there in Rome, you, we don't see that here. We're not old enough for that. So it was exciting to be there.
0: I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we were in Rome a couple of years ago also, and it was just there's so much to absorb. It was a really wonderful experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was happy I could finally make it. I wanted to go for the longest time, so finally got. We saw, we went to. Oh gosh, it's in Spain, and out went out of my head. One of the big cities in Spain, and then Rome, and it was really a nice trip. We enjoyed both cities. It was really nice. So now you say that you mentioned in some of your on your website, I think about intentional living and living authentically.
0: Yes. So what does that mean to you? Well, living authentically, my definition of authentic is, is living according to your core values of being the truest version of yourself that you can be instead of just fitting in and, and conforming to make other people happy. And it's about pursuing your. God given purpose as opposed to just making others happy all the time, those kind of things. And so I I call my blog Live Intentionally because we have to make daily intentional decisions in order to be authentic because there's so much pressure all around us to fit this image, to meet these expectations. This is the definition of, of success. All these things are bombarding us. And so it takes lots of intention each day to decide this is what matters to me. These are my priorities and not get sidetracked, all that kind of stuff. And it also takes intention in our modern society to be mindful of what's happening now instead of rushing around from one thing to one thing and being stuck on our streets. All these good habits take intention. Absolutely, so That's what I say live intentionally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And so many people say, oh, I want to be a writer. And then they try and imitate Other famous writers, well, that's not going to make you famous. Yeah. And again, you're not being authentic when you do that. You've got to look for what your talent is and what story you should be telling and then work on that. And you're right. And like you found the ancient cities to be the best place for you. And I think that's great. And that sets you apart. And I think that's sometimes what boomers don't understand, that when you're a little bit different, you'll get the limelight a lot faster than if you're in with everybody else doing all the same thing. You need something to
0: set you apart. Yeah. Seth Godin, who's one of these modern moguls on marketing and success, he says something to the effect of, if you want to be successful, you need to be the purple cow in a field of monochrome Holsteins. That's right. He's got it. And, And I happen to live just up the hill from whole fields full of Holsteins. So I see lots of monochrome cows go by. Oh, do you? Yeah. And you know what? So many people, they're just
1: following the crowd. They they are so afraid to stand out and do something different. They're afraid of criticism. Like, I don't care. I just like, started my podcast for me and to help other boomers be successful. And I just got up and I started it. I trained under other podcasters to try and learn the craft. But then I just took hold of it the way I wanted to do it. Because it, ha- like you said, it has to be authentic to you or it's not going to work well. And I don't worry about anybody else, what they think or what they say. You know, I'm getting a lot of good feedback. But even if I wasn't, I felt that this was the right path for me and this was what I was supposed to be doing. So I jumped in and I did it. And people are afraid to do that. I don't know why, but they're
0: just so afraid. It's intimidating to let people see the real you, especially if you've been used to always worrying about what other people want you to be. Yes. It can be, it takes a lot of courage to, to write a book about ancient Rome and put it out there and risk, because I have a degree in engineering. I'm not a history major. Right. So I could make mistakes about some of the facts. Right. But I did it anyway. Good for you,
1: because we have to step out of our comfort zone and just do what we feel is right. We can't be afraid. And boomers only have a limited amount of time left. So I'm all about, I'm using that time as best I can, getting every ounce out of it. I'm not totally retired yet. I should be, but I'm not. I'm still selling real estate part-time, but hopefully by the end of the year, I'll retire from that. And then it'll be my podcast and then just living my best life. Exercising, gardening. I love to garden, being with friends and family, that kind of thing. I do want to have more time to do that. But the podcast is very important to me. I love doing it. I knew I would like doing it. But for the main part, and i talked about this before on other podcasts, when I was young, I wanted to be like a Zig Ziglar. I wanted to go out and talk about inspiration and motivation for people. And that's really what I wanted to do. But I was raising a family and I didn't have money to start a company and print up all the things you need to print up to hand out and mail out and all. I just didn't, it wasn't right. But right now, the timing is perfect for anyone. You don't need a lot of money to start a podcast or to write a book. You really don't. You need a little bit. I needed a microphone. I have to have a computer, but I'm upstairs in my spare bedroom right now. I mean, you don't need a separate room. You just need a little corner of a room and your microphone and you're off and running. So I think people build it up bigger in their head than it really is. And you just take baby steps, little bit at a time, but you can try it out with friends. And I kind of jumped right in. And the hardest thing in the beginning was finding people to interview because I didn't know anybody and my podcast wasn't well-known at the time. So I just had to find people that I knew or that my kids knew that were starting a business in their 60s and we talked about that. I interviewed my brother because he used to work for a trucking company. But when he retired, he's done music his whole life. But once he retired, now he can do that full time. So we talked about his music and that was really interesting. So little by little, I found more and more people. And now a lot of people just come to me, which is great. I don't have to look as hard, but I had to step off and just start. You you could wait and wait and you just have to jump in and start. And there were a few weeks when I didn't have anybody. So I reran something and you just, you make it work, but you have to take that leap of
0: faith. You really do. You have to take that leap of faith. And like you say, you learn how to make it work. You have to have creative problem solving. And one of the things that I love to talk about, especially with with the boomer generation who are most of them retired is you, you have more time, but you have time to, to dabble in creative things, all those things you wished you had time to do before, but you were busy raising a family and earning a living. Now we have a little more freedom to do those things that are still in our hearts. Wanting to speak in public, you found a way to do that by podcasting, Um, learning how to do a craft, learning a new hobby. My, My husband does beekeeping. So there's lots of wonderful things that you can take up at any age. And the more different things that we allow ourselves to begin to learn about, more creativity and the more we keep our brains young. But we have this idea that if it's not productive, it's not worth doing. And we also, of course, are being told, well, if you don't do it right, if you don't make it perfect, if you don't have it, if you don't write your first novel publishable, then you're wasting your time. And that's not true
1: at all. Definitely not true. Definitely not true. And even published authors will tell you that because in the beginning they had a hard time too. And getting that first novel published is very difficult so everyone has to start somewhere and every podcaster that i uh, that has talked on the air before they say when you go back and listen to your first few podcasts you're going to cringe you're going to go oh my god that was me and some of the people that i've interviewed they go this is my first podcast i say just relax we're going to have fun it's not hard but it is Very nerve wracking in the beginning and you just have to jump in and do it. You get better as you go along and it's like anything else. You'll learn it and you'll get better. But there's no better time than now because you don't want to be 80, 85 and look back and say, oh, I wish I had done that in my 70s. I really, 70 to 80, I could have been doing something. I mean, we have so much wisdom to share, whether we're sharing it through a novel or we're sharing it through a podcast, or maybe we're just cooking and we're sharing that with family and friends. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can share. You can learn to paint at a later age. I mean, I have a friend who lives in the villages and she painted her whole life. But when she got down there, she started teaching painting. So she does watercolors and oil paintings and she does really beautiful work. And she's continued to do that, even though she's down in the villages, retired. But you know, you don't want to sit around all day. You must keep active and engaged. So find ways to share the talents that you have, and they're different for everyone. Share your talents with
0: others. Yes, exactly. And that's part of being authentic, is being willing to share your talents and the things that are on your heart, even if they seem silly, or even if you think, well, who's gonna love that? Who cares about that? Well, somebody does. There are people out there who care about the things you know about. There are the things that each of us find easy. There are other people who don't find that easy at all and are desperately wishing for someone like you to come into their lives and help them do that.
1: You're so right. You're so right. And then once you write your novel, you can reach out and help other new people write their novels. And because when you give back like that, it makes you feel so good. There's nothing like it. And that, again, will help your body stay healthy. It's like laughing when you belly laugh that it releases these hormones in your body and it just helps you feel good. And it really does help keep you healthier. So and that's another thing. I just read something this morning and I forget what it was. I think they say children under six laugh 300 times a day and adults only laugh 100 times. I don't even know that we laugh 100 times anymore. I used yeah. to laugh a lot more years ago. I mean, the whole, our culture was so different years ago. People used to laugh and they used to be able to laugh at themselves and others. But now you almost feel like, oh, I got to be careful because someone's not going to like that or someone's going to be offended. But we really need to laugh. And I'm all about laughing at myself first. I'll laugh
0: at me. <laughs> yep, I will too. One, one other thing that, that I do, I, uh, I volunteer at our local library. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I do, I, I was on the board for several years, and that was one of those things where I have friends that volunteer me to be in leadership <laughs> that, you know, right. this happens. <laughs> this happens. But I also help sort books, donated books in the bookshed. And so that's something I can go when I feel like I can go there and I can be alone and I'm serving the library all alone. But the craziest books come by and every now and then I just break out laughing because there's some ridiculous book title that's been donated. Like, like knitting with dog hair or, or something. There was one called Dancing with Your Cat. Things like that. Yeah. See that? There's so many different things out there.
1: And with podcasts too. There's a woman who does a podcast on knitting and she's got a nice little audience. Podcast. You So you can almost do a podcast on any. You could do it on beekeeping. You could do it on anything and people will listen. There's somebody out there that wants to learn more about whatever you have to do. So a podcast is something that people can do on their own as well. And it's creative. So podcasts, writing, volunteering, I love. I talk about volunteering all the time. Everyone should at least volunteer one time a week for a couple of hours because you'll feel good. The people you're helping feel good win all the way around. And we as boomers have the time to give back to our communities. And we need to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, volunteering has um, always been something that, that I've believed strongly in. Yes. And there's so many things that we can do. There's always something that fits our personality and our time availability that, that we can do that helps someone else. And one of the, I'm learning about marketing and business and stuff. And one of the things that I keep running into is be generous. Generosity comes back on you. Be generous yeah. with your time, with, your, with everything that you do.
1: Absolutely, I totally agree with that. That's really good advice. So now you're learning the business end because again, you can write a novel, but getting people to buy it is not as easy as people think. So you do really have to learn the business end because it is a business. Even my podcast is a business. So you have to look at it that way as well. So um, same thing with writing novels and most people think you just write and you're done. It's not true. (laughs) And you do need a lot of help along the way because book covers are very important. So usually you need someone else to do the cover. You're good at writing. That doesn't mean you can come up with a good book cover. So there's a lot of people, the editors have to help you edit it so that it flows. And so many times I've heard that when you get other people to read it, They'll tell you, oh, you're missing something here. It's you're going from here to this other and there's no bridge in between. I don't know what you mean. And then you go, oh, that's right. Because in your head, but you've got to put it down on paper so that the reader knows. So having other people read your work and edit your work is really important. And again, I've heard from a lot of new writers that they're afraid to let other people read their work. They think someone's going to steal it. No one's stealing your work. They're not. So get it out there, get some advice because we all need, it's like anything else. You do your basic writing and then it's got to be edited and twerked. And a lot of things have to be done until it hits that final print. There's a lot that happens to it be, be when you first write it till it actually
0: gets published, correct? Oh, there's lots of things. Yeah. And a good editor is pure gold. Yes. It takes your writing from okay to awesome. If if you have a good editor and if you work at all the things, but what, when I, yeah, both my books, I, when I sent them off to the editor and I got back all the, the content edits, the first edit is getting your content, right, getting all the plot things and all the details. And then you worry about the typos and all that other later stuff that we think about right. when we think editor, but there's first there's a content editor, right? And when I first get her stuff back, I'm in depression for a day or two <laughs> a, as I think about all the things she's all these things I've caught, and I think, "Oh uh, right, haven't I figured out how to not do that yet?" But then I get over that and then we have a call and she's awesome at helping me fix all the problems that she's found. She says, "Okay, let's figure out how to fix this one and that's that's one of my um favorite mantras actually everything is figure outable so true sure. it's the title of level, but I, I it's the title of a book by, I think, Marie Forleo is, is her name. But anyway, it's a wonderful book, but it's just a wonderful concept. Everything is figure outable. Absolutely. We just have to yep. figure out it. We may have, may have to come at it from a different angle, but we'll, we can figure it out. We can figure it out. We can learn. Yep, and anything can be
1: fixed. But you need someone to help you with that before you just jump in and publish. Because I think some people want to self-publish. And they don't have anyone doing that editing for them. And then it just doesn't come out right. Yes, Like you said, it just doesn't read well. And if
0: it doesn't read well, no one's going to read it, right? Exactly. Yes, you can You can tell. And I sort of, I sort of books in the library and I can tell at a glance when someone has made a self-published book and hasn't hired professionals to do the, the cover, you right. can tell it like that.
1: Absolutely. Covers are so important so so important so absolutely you need someone to help you with that you need a professional so you've got to be willing to pay the professionals along the way to help you because you need them and then you'll get your book published and then you've got to like you're learning to market it because it needs to be marketed and this podcast today is one way to market the book exactly the more podcasts you can go on the more people hear about it and I love a good mystery I'm all about mystery so it sounds really interesting to me. I would love to read it. So I'm going to have to go out and buy it for myself because I like to read mysteries at the end of the day when I'm falling asleep. A good mystery just gets my me out of my world and what's happening in my world because I'm sick of it. The day's been long, maybe a lot of things happening. So now I can just read about someone else's life and it just takes you away. And I love it. I've done it my whole life. I just love, and it's generally at the end of the day, but then some days you can't put it down. You got to keep reading till you're done. And that's when you know the book is really well written
0: when you just can't put it down. (laughs) People have told me about that. Now, my books, they're mysteries, but there's a thread of humor because I love to laugh like we were talking about. So these are not serious, gritty mysteries. These are mysteries with a little bit of humor, some snarky characters. And I will say, because I worked at it and I got input and I learned all these things, the first one that finally got published has won several awards, including Golden Scroll Novel of the Year. That's great. From the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. Wow. So all that hard work made a difference. Yes. And of course, it, it, it gives me confidence um, in writing the next one. Right. And, and people have told me that the second one is even better than the first one. So,
1: Oh, great. Great. And now the second one just came out in January, yes. I think. And now you're working on the third one. I'm working on the next one. So maybe that'll be out in another year. It takes time. It doesn't go fast. No,
0: especially when you're trying to figure out how to do the, yeah.
1: the selling part as well. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's great. So tell, share with my audience where they can find you, where they can find your books so that they, if they want to buy them, they can go ahead and buy them. Where can they find them? The books are available
0: wherever you like to buy books on online or you could ask your bookstore and they can get it for you. And the... My second book called Fountains and Secrets is going to be next week, June 14th to 18th. We're running a Kindle ebook sale where it'll be free. So if you go out next week on Kindle, you can get it for free. Oh, that's excellent. Yes.
1: This is perfect timing. I love it. Great. <laughs> so it's the 13th through the 15th, 14th through the 18th. So. Yes. Oh, good, good. Okay, because this podcast will be Monday morning, the 13th. So this is perfect timing for that. Yeah, it Great. is excellent. Timing. So little gift to yes. the boomers if they listen. That's right. Yes, I love it. Free, I free love is it. always good. Yep, yep, that's true. And then they might want to get out and buy the book too, because I love having the book in my hand. I don't like Kindle as much. Now, I have a sister she, who reads all her books on Kindle. I like to have it in my hand. So, But you could read it on
0: Kindle, get the free version, then you'd really like it, go out and buy it. That's right. That would be great, right? That's right. And if you want to um, look at my website, it's lisaebetz.com. That's L-I-S-A-B-E-T-Z.com.
1: Great. Great. Okay, good. So thank you for joining us today on Kickass Boomers and sharing your message for living your best life as a boomer. Yeah. We have so much left to live, so that's great. We do. And for my audience who were not able to write down Lisa's contact information, all you have to do is go to kickassboomers.com. When you see her picture, click on it. And then all the show notes will open up and I'll have all of her contact information and I'll have um, links to her Amazon book. So that makes it easier for you in case you're out exercising or shopping or whatever and you're listening while you're doing that. So thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us. This has been great. i really enjoyed it. And I think the
0: audience did too. Well, it was great. It was great fun to talk with you. And I, I always love encouraging everybody, but especially my fellow boomers. Absolutely. We do need that little
1: push sometimes. So that's why I love interviewing people who have already done it. So if there's someone sitting on the fence, they can get a push from the podcast, go out and do it. It's never too late. Yes. Just get busy. That's right. It is never too late. Great. Great. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And that's it for today. Thank you.